Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So we're closing in on a million subscribers, give or take. Math's not really my thing. With uh, At the uh, Pointless Exercise newsletter, pointlessexercise.com. So if you haven't subscribed, swing on by and uh, sign up for the newsletter. Love to have you. And this is the, uh, this is remember this crap podcast, but there's a whole lot of podcasts on this Pointless Exercise Podcast Network. There's also the Movie Deep Dive Podcast with Mike Pusateri. We just did Rounders. We've got another special treat coming up for you here in the next couple of days. And there's a Cub Pod with Sam Fells, Kyle Reichert, and myself. And you think, what, have you guys given up on it? No, we haven't. Also going to be a brand new Cubs podcast coming up soon. So uh, sign up for the newsletter and subscribe to the podcast. going to see another one. Cody Ross, left field. That one's deep. That one's it's over. over. Oh, Walk off. Cody Ross. Just like that. Back to back. Oh, in Chicago, they love to call it back to back jacks. Guess what? Back to back jacks. Harris takes off and a fly ball to right. And Bradley plays it off to the side. And he better, he doesn't know how many outs there are. He just throws the uh, ball into the bleachers. That's only the second out of the inning. And that allows. Not only Putos was going to score either way on a sack fly, but it allows Harris to go all the way to the third. And it's now six to three. So a sacrifice fly for Maurer. And a mental error by Milton Bradley. Boy, when it goes bad, it goes bad. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you doing? Andy, uh, to be honest, I'm a little verklempt. And uh, before we get started, I'd like to um, issue a mea culpa, um, a retraction, an apology uh, of a grave, embarrassing uh, factual error that I made that I have to own up to. Uh, it was brought to my attention last week. So 
Uh, need to get it out of the way multiple times, not only in this podcast, but possibly others. Uh, I had been perpetrating or propagating the fake news that Sammy Sosa, one Samuel Peralta Sosa, Sosa had never hit a Grand Slam at Wrigley Field. And uh, Twitter user Brian Bennett, uh, after we had done our last podcast uh, covering the 2001 Cubs, uh, pointed out to my astonishment, my astonished disbelief at first that uh, in one of his final games, in fact, as a Cubs, Sammy actually did hit a grand slam. And uh, and it just knocked me for a loop because um, uh, that's, you know, I, I've you and I have talked before. I'm happy to be corrected. I, I know a lot of minutia, a lot of tiny details about many things that happened many years ago. But I also know some things I can misremember. And, you know, I'm happy to ha- have it set straight. But something like this was just, uh, you know, too much for me to reconcile. So I've had to come to peace with the fact that I have a, some sort of a black hole that I don't know what was more troubling, that I do not have a memory of him finally doing it because I was already aware of the fact that he had never done it up until that point or that he did it and somehow suppressed that fact because it interrupted my narrative that Sammy Sosa had never hit a grand slam at Wrigley Field, which is sort of used to point out that, um, you know, the fans at Wrigley can sometimes be a little bit self-absorbed to the detriment of the players. But, um, and I think to that end, yeah, you know, there's still some justification because he didn't hit this granny and it was his third to final home run uh, as a Cub at Wrigley Field. Um, but the fact remains, um, and I apologize for anyone who, uh, you know, who has now lost their faith in, in me and my ability to remember and all the children out there. Uh, I now know for a fact that uh, Sammy did do it once. I'll just have to modify that, but I needed to, needed to come clean. Because that was too big of a, uh, that was too colossal of a mistake, and so just want to own up to it and move on. Well, you'll you'll have to wear the hair shirt for the uh, for this podcast to make it on, and uh, we'll see if we get Sammy on a future podcast, and you can apologize directly to the real Mister Six Hundred Six. Maybe maybe the wheel will spin on two thousand and four, and I can give Sammy his due. Actually, no. I don't want to do. talk. We could do celebrity. Remember this crap. We'll just bring in. Sammy won't remember any of it. Um, okay, so this is our. <laughs> this is the fourth edition of the Cub version of Remember This Crap, and mm-hmm. we have done uh, 1992, 1997, and 2001. Which, like I was saying before the show, Andy, it's sort of when we talk about this, I try to break it down into the the overarching. 32 years, which is almost 95% Tribune owned. And I spend a lot of time sort of making a distinction between, you know, this first era of the Tribune company, which we haven't talked about because the wheel hasn't landed on it. And this 15 year end, basically, which I, you know, was consistently using this word that you're probably getting sick of, but I've come up with it and I think it fits. It's mediocrity by design. And it just so happens that this concept of just leveraging the ballpark and fielding a team with enough you know, noticeable talent, but really, you know, not tanking, but just designed to be mediocre. And the three true outcomes have been revealed in each of the three spins. All three of them occur, uh, occurred in a 10-year period that were all fall, fall under this umbrella. Uh, in 1997, it was what happens when you design this, you know, mediocre team and things go sideways and you have a terrible season. And then in 92, it was drawn up to perfection. We covered that. And then last time we did 2001, which same principle, same blueprint, and things went right, at least early on. And they almost made the playoffs. So 
So uh, I guess as far as that tableau is concerned, in the future, if the wheel falls on any of those years, we'll already sort of have the the archetype in place because those are pretty much how any of those three, you know, any of those seasons ended. One of those three fashions. So, are you at all concerned that uh, Jed, Tom, and Crane have heard your theory and think, "Wow, that's a really good idea," and they're just going <laughs> to execute it now? You brought that up a couple of episodes that that's that's where we're kind of back to yeah. except they've gone so far one of one of the underpinnings to this sort of blueprint between 1992 and 2006 the sort of Andy McPhail if you want to put a face on it you would not run off Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. you would you would actually whether it was Rhino a fading Rhino or Grace or Sosa yep. uh you would hang on to that that was that was your ticket to ensure that people were still coming to the games if you did happen to fall out of the race in July so yeah, they're they're not even doing that right. Go figure. Well, we'll see. I have, I still have a hunch he's the he's the one they're going to keep. It has to be. But I don't they're know. Just, they yeah, they they should have they should have signed him last month and they didn't do it's it. It's such a no brainer. It's just on so many levels. So you just you really wonder. Okay, so we're going to spin the wheel of crap, and. With our the only rule we have is that we won't talk about the year before or the year after the season we did last time. So it can we will, you will not if you've tuned in hoping to hear about the 2000 or the 2002 Cubs. I hate to disappoint you. You're not going to get that this week. Go find another. And those are a couple of buttes. Oh god. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of glad we don't have to worry about them. So now we're going to spin it and see where we end up. Getting a little herky-jerky. Oh, it's going to be recent. Oh, no. 2009. Oh, no. Okay, we're going to put you... You're better... You're be- the farther back we go, the better you are. We're going to have to put you to the and, test, though. And, and before we... I'm not even... And I'm not stalling to come up with facts. I'm just going to tell you... And I mentioned this, I think, on the show, and I've mentioned it to you, that I actually have a little bit of a dark hole in these last few years. And I, I thought about brushing up, and I haven't, just to may, maybe re- reacquaint myself. And the reason is is because after over, uh, oh, I guess, almost 30 years of being a Cub fan from 79 to 2008, when a 98-win juggernaut was just summarily swept out of the playoffs for the second season in a row, and they couldn't field the ball, and they were just couldn't throw strikes. I uh, it broke me. Uh, the 2008 Cubs broke me. I was able to ride out some of these crappy seasons, you know, 81, 86, 97, uh, you know, for such a little return and uh, went to the precipice in 84 and 03. And, and after 08, I didn't do it consciously. Like, I didn't give up my season tickets. I still went to games. Um, but I, you know, it, it fades more and more. I'm glad we got 2009 and maybe not 2010, 11, because I can tell you right off the bat, the 2009 introduce, uh, introducing Milton Bradley, uh, to the Cub outfield. Um, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, also in, uh, 2009, I, uh, the Cubs did not finish 500 and in 2009, um, did Kerry Wood come back? No, I think he did not. So I see I'm struggling. This is really, uh, this is actually post careful what you wish for. Cause this is post, uh, sort of tribune too. This is actually the, 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 the sort of post Sam Zellish era. And, um, I don't know. You're going to be driving this one, buddy. I mean, I'm ready to pitch in and I'll start looking some stuff up, but I know 
one, this is only three facts. 2009 Cubs, bad. They were there. They were a, They did finish above 500. In oh, fact, that's right. In fact, they finished in second place. Um, See, they. I'm gonna re, re, readjust. Milton here. Bradley got released in Bush Stadium, and the, when Hendry told the team, they cheered. Um, Kerry, <laughs> it was the year. It was not Kerry Woods' return because they had uh, just traded him uh, to the Indians. Is that right? I yes, they that's right. But Mark DeRosa was gone too, right? Did he also go to the Indians? Yes, actually, Kerry left free agency, signed with the Indians. DeRosa got traded to the and, Indians and 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 was rewarded for like booting a grounder in the playoffs and rolling into a double play the year before, and just being a decent but not great player by getting a standing ovation the entire three game yep. weekend series oh, when him. the Tribe came back. He did. Uh, this would have been uh, Lou Pinella's final full season with the Cubs. Uh, this season, it, we'll have to get into this in great detail. This season is uh, most remembered uh, for the dramatic way they fell out of first place. Um, not unlike, oh. not unlike last time where we talked to, where Preston Wilson hit a home run in Miami. This was the Cubs had a one-run lead going into the ninth inning against the Marlins, and Kevin Gregg gave up the tying and losing home runs on back-to-back pitches. And uh, Cody Ross hit one of them. I remember Cody Ross now. It was it took horrific. that long for me. Um, but there are a lot of great. Okay. There's the greatest backup catcher. I mean, other than obviously, other than Hank White. Um, no, we're Ono. But uh, Hank White. At least the backup catcher with the greatest middle name of all time was on this team. Coy Dolan oh, Hill. Oh, that's right. With that's his, right. With his Franken hand. Um, and that actually, he that was after he had survived the incident. Because I want to say that Cole, your your buddy Coy Dolan Hill, made his debut in the in the 2007 Cubs. I, obviously, I would not have guessed that he was still hanging around. No disrespect to Coy Hill, but he was part of that sort of like once they realized that Michael Barrett was brain dead. Um, I don't know if it was before or after. Carlos Sombrano punched him repeatedly in the dugout, but they had that rotating uh, list, uh, ro- that rotation of catchers that season. Bowen was one of them, and before they settled on uh, a broken down and old but still superior Jason Kendall. So McCoy was still kicking around in 2009, huh? Good for him. He was. He was like a bad. He was like a bad penny. Um, I couldn't even guess. Oh, I know. I know the starting catcher would have been would have been the reigning rookie of the year. Yes, correct. Giovanni Soto. Um, so what did what what did the the immediate beginning of the decline of Giovanni Soto's career look like in two thousand nine? I wonder. Because he was uh, rookie of the year. He did exactly what you expect Cub um, rookies of the year to do in year two. Uh, he hit uh, 218 with a 321 on base, 381 slug, 11 homers, 47 RBIs. Um, uh, and still managed to outperform Jerome Walton's 1990 season, I'm sure. Yes. So the uh, the 09 Cubs spent how many days were they in first place? Uh, they were only uh, they were only first place for 11 days. The last was Wednesday, August 6th. 
Okay. Um, and that's I'm positive when I look up Thursday, August sixth, it's going to be uh, Kevin Gregg. Uh, the biggest lead they ever had. They didn't. They didn't exactly luxuriate in first place. Uh, they had the biggest lead they ever had was a half a game. So all those other days they were tied. It sounds like. Wow. Uh, they uh, were eleven and a half games back on September 9th. So that was good. Yep. Longest okay. winning streak was only five games. The longest losing streak was eight. Okay. They were forty six and thirty four. Wrigley thirty seven and forty four on the road. Um, they got hot in July on eighteen and nine. Were decent in September. They didn't do much else. Uh, they did play sixteen extra inning games. They won nine of them. So, okay. Don't know the significance of any of that. All right, so we're going to go right now to, let's see, what happened in August uh, the fifth? No, that wasn't that day. Well, we're in. So we're in search of the backbreaking Eric Greg or Eric Greg, uh, Kevin Greg game, oh, which it's right I, here. Admittedly, only faintly familiar. When you said Cody Ross, though, then I remember. But it shows you how emotionally detached I was to this team that I'm even – I do remember now they did finish over 500, and that was the first time in our lifetime they had finished over 503 consecutive seasons, um, which probably makes Pinella the winningest manager in our lifetime before Joe. Well, he had three straight winning seasons, which was unheard of. Yeah. For, like, I, like I just said, for the first time in all of our lifetimes. So I had forgotten that, but now, you know, I I, I, I was aware of that. I think I, I immediately, like, flinched when the season came up, but it was a winning season. But it just kind of felt that, I don't know, like I said, I was probably already emotionally detached, but I don't remember really uh, any pennant fever, even though they were in first place in August. It just, I, I was just dispirited after 2008. It was, but it was not a horrible team. There was a, there was a <clears throat> fever, a tangible fever. It may have been. It was what would it have been? It was COVID oh nine. That's it. Um, COVID nine. Okay, so Sunday, August second, they played in beautiful Land Shark Stadium, the stadium that has changes its name every two years, whether it needs to or not. The Cubs were tied for first, and it, the pitching matchup was. A real it was a two. It was a former Cub against a uh, soon-to-be former Cub. Ricky Nolasco pitched for the Marlins. Okay, against... I'm glad it was. I'm glad it wasn't another former Cub that went to the Marlins because I don't even want to invoke his name. And that's all I'm going to say. Against Ryan uh, Dempster, so a former oh, Marlin against a former Cub. My guy, your guy, Ryan Dempster. Yeah, who uh, probably was still having a decent season. His, his he, he's coming off his career year as a starter. I want to say in 08, which abruptly ended in the playoffs. But um, I don't think Dempster really regret. He was a good pitcher for a few years in the rotation, um, and I, you know they still had Zambrano. But so Dempster starts this this game with the uh, this crucial some, some... game against the Marlins. The Marlins were also. They basically had the same. Well, the Cubs were fifty-five and forty-eight. The Marlins were fifty-five and fifty. So it was basically uh, the same. And the Marlins lineup that day was full of future Cubs. <laughs> In two thousand and nine, yes, huh? a lot of them, including my favorite uh, member of the twenty sixteen World Series champs. Who do you think was playing Chris in left Coughlin? field? Chris Coughlin. Chris Coughlin right? was leading what? off and playing left May- field. 
may have been in his rookie of the year season, perhaps, or maybe, yeah, maybe it was defending because that was Geo. Okay, he was hitting two fifty nine so that year. Yes, it was. That was his rookie of the year season. Wow. So man, we were watching the few. It was like a futures game. You had the 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 reigning and eventual rookie of the year. He was hitting. Listen, how did is this right? He was hitting two fifty nine on August the second. He finished the season three twenty one. I mean, he was. He was clearly blistering hot. Well, he, he must have not gotten many at bats the first half of the season. I bet, huh? It's one way to win the rookie of the year. Loading up if he could raise his average that much. Right. Points. Look at, yeah, he had to have been. He probably got called up half halfway through. He wow, uh, he, he was rookie of the year that year, and he finished twenty eighth in the MVP race. Wow, Cogs. The uh, shortstop. On that team, you'll never guess this because I wouldn't have thought of him as a shortstop. Was a uh, a future utility player for the Cubs with a great name, uh, Emilio Bonifacio. Yes, yes, that's right, Emilio Woo-hoo! Bonifacio. That just came to me. I didn't think I'd get that. Uh, opening day leadoff hitter in 2014, I think. Uh, the catcher that day uh, is has a day named after him uh, with the Cubs because he. Um, he was the Domingo. He was the how? What did what did he do? He was the winning pitcher and got the winning hit in a game as a position player. Is that what he did? Oh, oh, um, uh, the catcher, right? Yes, catcher. So he's on Twitter. He's like a, a Cub Twitter friendly Twitterer. John Baker. John Baker. He was the catcher that day. John Baker, walk off maker. Okay, another future cut. Wow. Uh, and then a guy who came into pinch hit um, was also a pinch hitter for the Cubs and the White Sox, both. Ross Glode. I remember Ross Glode. I remember thinking when Brant Brown got called up because he was a left-handed hitter and he was actually playing first base. This is way back in 1996. It's like, oh, he kind of looks like a Mark Grace. It was way of a poor man's version of Mark Grace. And then when Ross Glode came around, I'm like, oh, he's like a poor man's Brant Brown. He looked like the same type of hitter. And he may have played first base. I think actually Ross Glode may have been a former Cub as of this game. I could be wrong. Probably. That's uh. Yeah, he actually enjoyed a little, little bit of uh, success with uh, with the White Sox, I think, as a, coming off the bench or whatever. So do you think Jim Henry was really checked out <laughs> at this point? He's just like sitting in the box watching the Marlins. Uh, well, I mean, actually, before I go to I, – I, I wanted to just put this sort of within that framework, that sort of historical context. This is the first season that's not – really falling under this sort of tribune too. This is still tribune ownership, but it's this weird period, a three year period after beginning in 2007, when they were still the tribune company, but the tribune company was owned by Sam Zell. And so this whole mediocrity by design was scrapped. And for the first time since Jim Fry signed Dave Smith and, uh, and, uh, uh, George Bell and and those busters in 1991. Uh, you'll remember the Cubs were never big players in the free in 1991 and until Alfonso Soriano was signed in 2007, which sort of fit with their you know their approach. So it's tribute ownership, but it's actually but what it is is this season is sort of like the downside of 
uh, of a of sort of this burst this sort of you know they had some young talent that they didn't they weren't paying a ton for in, at the corners in in, Ram- in Ramirez and Lee but they they went out and they got Soriano they got Fukudome uh they spent because Zell who had really he was not interested in winning he was just his thinking was let's blow up the franchise of this so I can sell it to some idiots from Nebraska perhaps I don't know but um, so that's what we have in this season. And they were over 500. They weren't horrible. They were in first place in August. The fact that I don't remember, it says more about how I just was just crushed after 2008 and really was kind of gone until Theo was hired. But, um, but it was, the, this is the, actually, and I want to say this is probably the last year of uh, the Tribune actual ownership. I think the Ricketts purchased the team the last year, but it's the downside. If you look at the Cubs roster, they're, you know, some not bad players, but, um, they were already sort of, it was just sort of sad and post-apocalyptic and they didn't have anything to show for it. They didn't even win a single playoff game in that sort of burst of the previous two seasons. So you're right that, um, you know, the, I'm sure when we get to 07, we'll we get into this in great detail, but, um, John McDonough is actually the one who signed Alfonso Soriano. He basically took, is that over, it? took over the negotiations. And, the carnival and barker had, had his, yeah. John, you got one got, year. To... <laughs> he did it, did a much better job when he was the guy who just went out and signed Marion Hosa, but he signed yep. uh, same playbook. He signed Alfonso Soriano. Um, so they spent in 07 and 08 and then basically told Henry, okay, we're done. You yep. need, if you're there the way, exactly the way the Ricketts are doing it right now. If you want to add any money, you've got to dump some first, which is why they traded. They felt like they needed left-handed hitting. Um, mm-hmm. Kat, Dave Kaplan tells the story about being in uh, the hotel in Los Angeles after uh, they got swept out of the 08 playoffs. And Henry and Pinella and some other coaches are sitting in the hotel bar drinking and Lou is bitching about how they didn't have any left-handed hitting, and that was the reason why they couldn't. And so Hendry was under orders from his manager to go find him a left-handed bat. But in mm-hmm. order to do that, the Tribune was insistent that he um, did dump payroll to add payroll. And they made, obviously, the horrible decision to bring in uh, a psychopath, mm-hmm. literally a psychopath, right. <laughs> Milton Bradley, to come play that year. Um so, yeah, see, the austerity had started, and it was really showing because, you know, the biggest thing you have, it's what the uh, 2021 Cubs are suffering from, is you ha- end up with a complete lack of depth because yeah. as you start uh-huh. to shuttle away, you're, you start to let your good players go and you don't have good young players to backfill, you end up with journeymen and, and duds all over your lineup. And here they are in August, clinging, you know, pretending they're in the playoff race, and... Mm-hmm. Here are the first four batters of the game for the Cubs. Sam in this, Fold in, is in playing the first center place field. Cubs, right? The first place first, Cubs. In, on August 2nd. Yes. Okay. Sam Fold in center field. Ryan Terrio at shortstop. <sighs> Derek Lee at first base. All right. And, and I'm going to make you guess this. I, since you weren't paying attention, there's no way. But who do you think Aramis is hurt? This was the year of all that horrible hamstring and quad injuries when – yeah, Bob Brenly was convinced that he was uh, just dogging it all the time. Um, so Aramis right. is not in the lineup. And who do you think is playing third base for the first place Cubs on August third 2nd? Third base, Jesus. And he's I, batting I, cleanup in this lineup. DeRosa's gone. Oh, and, and the way you talk about it, it wouldn't have been DeRosa anyway. Um, I, I, I'm not even going to guess because I'm already in a black hole of 2009. Am I even going to know the guy? Do you remember Jake Fox? Yeah. <laughs> 
yes. But I associated more like 2005 for some reason. I think he started coming up in 05. He, we had high hopes, didn't we, Andy, for Jake Fox? I know oh, on the yeah. message board there was yeah. some chatter. Well, he was yeah. hitting 308 with a 347 high base and a 607 slugging at the time. Oh, and uh, he also didn't know if a baseball when he on defense he didn't know if it was uh stuffed wound or inflated right yeah you say he's third base he's playing third base oh jake jake played everywhere even when he was called up i wanted I, he was a, a catcher beefy beefy kid he was a catcher a first baseman and maybe they put him in left field third wow. in, t- in wow. 2009 jake fox <laughs> played third base left field first base catcher dh and right field and none wow. of them, none that, of them well. Um, yeah. So I just read off what his stats were. He did. Let's say he didn't finish strong because he finished 259, 311 on base, 468 slugging. His OPS dropped 200 points in the last two from, uh, uh, from that game of the onward. Yeah. I but did, it, wow. It, it even I, I I cut them short because the fifth place hitter, uh, a cub far, uh, a hot young cub prospect, um, Felix Pa. No, but he already burned out. He already burned, washed out. By this then, is a guy it. who, if you stood him next to Brian Lahare, you wouldn't be able to tell which one was which. Do you remember uh, Micah Hoffpower? Oh, of course I do. I remember Micah coming, getting the, the old September call up when the Cubs had already lapped the field in the previous season in 2008. Want to say he may have hit a grand slam in Shea Stadium, or he did something, but yeah. Big Mike Mika Hoffpower. Yep. I do. So he's playing right. Soriano is in left. Uh, not not playing well at all. 249, 315, 447. So he's they got him batting. Tough year for Fonzie. Sixth. Um, the other half of the Cajun connection is playing second base. Fontano. Mike Fontano. Coy Dolan Hill is your catcher. I'm sure wow. he's a personal catcher to Ryan Dempster. Did they replace right? Did they replace DeRosa with Fontenot? Did they would they have done that? Did they do that? Is that a thing that happened? Because DeRosa was their second baseman, and uh, and obviously a, a very serviceable one until the postseason. I believe Fontenot played the most games at second base for that team, which is a but I, he, and he might have been the design too going into the year. There's well, I would get you another left-handed to... bat, which they seem to really think <sighs> That's they need. Right? Yeah, he played well, 135 games for the Cubs that year. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, given the choice, I would prefer him over Terrio because Terrio was annoying. But, yeah, it's just kind of very Hendry-ish that we had both of them. I mean, it's like they put them on top of each other, but Vincent Adultman at, at <laughs> left field. Um, but uh, I was going to say that uh, Lou used – Lou had – it was a one-run game, but Lou used his bench liberally in this one. Uh, Milton Bradley pinch hit. Uh, okay, do you remember this guy? This was a guy who, according to uh, our buddy uh, Mike Bratt from Higher Jamesian, um, mm-hmm. had to go on the disabled list because he burned his butt lighting a fart in the clubhouse. Do you remember who that was? Was it Angel Pagan? It was not. Uh, this was a shit. former Brave. I remember Mike talking about this a bit. It's lost to the sands of time in my memory. Jeff Baker. Jeff Baker, home run maker. It once hit Jeff, a game Jeff obviously of, came in for defense for Jake. Fox, well, he, did, he, he did once hit a, a game tying homer off the bearded Brian Wilson. One of those years that 
effectively kind of knocked San Francisco out. So I have a Cub memory of a Cub doing something to another team, but it's probably my only Jeff Baker memory. Also pinch hitting late in the game, or I shouldn't say late in the game, but pinch hitting. Uh, Kosuke Fukudome, who then went to play right field. Kosuke's numbers look good, 270, 385, 441. Um, but by then, yeah. we had pretty much lost all faith in Kosuke. I think he lost faith in Kosuke down the stretch the previous year. The he blue did. fell off the rose pretty quickly. In fact, for him. he complained. I mean, if part of his part of the commiserating in that uh, bar was that he had made the decision that Kosuke was overmatched by all Dodger pitching, and he wasn't going to start him in right field. And then he did in game. But he three. batted him eighth and batted Terrio second. I remember that. I mean, it was bad. and Fukudome did struggle down the stretch, if I remember correctly. You know, I mean, obviously, you're not going to get off to a hotter start than a game tying, you know, a home opening day. But uh, he just seemed to sort of level off and just continue on a downward trend. And Lou didn't show any any confidence in him, and we were all kind of disappointed. But yeah, it's interesting. You point out his numbers. He he really. How long did uh, Kosuke end up staying with the Cubs? Um, Because he, I want to say, he was there another year, probably at least 2010. And I bet you, now that I think about it, his numbers probably weren't horrible. He wasn't really a bust like Milton Bradley. So the Cubs got re- the Kos- Cubs released. Go ahead. Kosuke was launched during the 2011 season, so he was there. So four, three plus, plus years. Three, yeah, three and a half years. Uh, he also uh, went to the Indians, who were busy picking up any scraps the Cubs would drop, <laughs> and then he finished his um, American career. The, in 2012, do you remember who he played for after the Indians, the last team he played not, for? The only not, other team it, he ever played for. Was it a National League club? Did he ever come back to Wrigley? It, he came back to Wrigley, but it was an American League team. Oh, uh, who, with who? Just tell me. The Chicago White Sox. Oh, see, I don't even remember that. You said 2012? Okay. I was I was just coming back in 2012 because that was the first year of Epstein. I knew, and I was, so, yeah. Kosuke so. was born in 1977. In Sogun, Japan. Not Shogun. Sogun, Japan. Um, what year do you think he retired from Japanese baseball? Born He's, in 77 and finished. Uh, what was his last year in the Last year in the States was 2012. With, with the Sox? Okay. He, he also he had to 35. play. I'm going to say, he. it sounds like he just must have probably just retired in the last couple of years. So what 41? if I told you he's still playing? Oh, yeah. That's what I was first going to say, because I'm like, it's not inconceivable. He is a Chunichi dragon. So I wonder where he ranks on any all-time counting stat. Well, he wasted too many years uh, in the States, but if he'd never left, he'd probably be oh, I don't know. in contention. He's, he has for played 18 seasons leader, maybe? in the Nippon baseball, non-professional baseball, NPB. He has played He's 18 probably got, seasons. Is that the same league that Ichiro made his mark in? Yes. Would you know? So I wonder he might have more hits than Ichiro in the Japanese, only because Ichiro spent so much of his time in the states. Uh, well, I can look Ichiro up quick. He has nineteen hundred and fifteen hits in, in the Japanese in leagues. the Japanese league. Uh, career two eighty nine hitter, three eighty one on base, four ninety one slug. Uh, he's been a wow. part time player since eh, well, not that long. Is he played a hundred? He had four hundred eighteen at bats in hundred and nine games in twenty nineteen. So yeah, he's only recently wow. become a a bench guy. Okay, uh, he had two hundred eighty four home runs, 
No, 281 home runs in Japan. Wow. Uh, 76 stolen bases. Uh, scored a thousand runs. He's so. Do they have a Japanese Hall of Fame? I want. Oh, I'm sure they do, and he'll be in it. He'll be in it for sure. He also was a. Uh, uh, he was an international star for Japan. In fact, that's where he first. Um, plus the fact that his name on the back of his jersey reads "Fuck you, do me." Exactly. Um, or Let's the "Fuck you, dome." Which is which no, one? I like Fuggy Doomy because it's just it's concise, it's yes. multiple sentences. So it's, once we all saw that, it's like, oh, this right. is our I new mean, favorite like, player. Right. If like the stat didn't appeal to us to begin with, we got we got that level of uh, sophomore humor thrown into the mix. So Ichiro, um, his for his career, his professional career, forty three hundred and sixty seven hits. Combined between he is the all he's the he's my hit king. Fuck Pete you, Rose, put, Pete Rose. Forty one ninety one or whatever. Forty one ninety one. I think forty three sixty seven. Um, yeah, yeah. Three thousand and eighty nine of those in the big league. In this, yeah, like and coming over. What was he? Probably twenty seven or so. I think maybe. No, he um, was Ichiro was. Was uh, he a lot younger? Oh, you're right. Twenty seven. I was just, I was just As I was scrolling I up, I was like, oh, he's going to be a lot younger than that. No, 27. So he played till he was 45. Although those were okay. a couple of token. Those were token abilities. Yeah, I got, you know, it was a pleasure to his see Ichiro. His last two years were 17 games see, in two years. I did get to see him in person. It was uh, long after his star had faded. But, you know, I can say that I saw Ichiro. He pitch hit for the Marlins in a game that I was at in 2017. And I actually think he struck out. So I should have I should look it up. But uh, if he did, it would actually be a unique event because uh, that guy was kind of a just a, a fr- you know a freak. Uh, I believe the only time I ever saw him play was in the 2002 All-Star game in Milwaukee. And what I, I, I mean, I know I saw him play there. I remember, I remember watching him take batting practice mm-hmm. and it was one of the most ridiculous things you ever saw. He literally um, hit the ball from during, like during his first round, he's batting left-handed obviously. And he hits the first ball on a line, like just inside the third baseline. Uh-huh. His next pit, next swing, a line drive about 10 feet to the right of that. His next swing, 10 feet to the right of that. <laughs> He's literally just spraying the yeah, infield. The next one, right over the middle. He just did it. He, 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 he Literally, if they had put a chalk line on it, he, he would have lined the field perfectly all the like way around. Building a baseball spider web. Wow. Only cooler than that was one time watching Edgar Martinez take batting practice before a game with the weighted donut on his bat. He took a round of BP with the donut on the bat, his first round. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And was ripping the ball all over the place. And then Did the, the ball by chance ever hit the donut and take a funny bounce or anything? Yeah, I think I think he probably could make sure it didn't do that. You know, for a franchise that is one of the few franchises that actually have a more woeful postseason career than the Chicago White Sox, the Mariners have gotten to see some really great individual talent. Yeah, they've the had hitting. incredible Edgar, superstars. Edgar, Ichiro, and, and Junior, and then to throw in the mix, one of the most dominant left-handed pitchers in history. Well, so. and they also had a 19-year-old win a batting title. A-Rod. That's right. They had A-Rod, too. Although, yeah, he left for greener pastures, and he was still he pretty was, young. But. I mean, a- A-Rod was oh. great. Well, obviously, he was I, great for a long time, but he was a superstar when he was there. It wasn't just... Um, 
more recent. I mentioned I mentioned that I uh, saw A Rod in 1994 for Appleton, and uh, and subsequent to that, I was cleaning out. I wasn't cleaning out. I was reorganizing our crawl space, and I've got this box of like crap that you might have one that's similar, and it's got uh, among other things, you know, old newspapers and ticket stubs and all this, uh, and a stack that was a lot larger than I remember of mostly Cubs <laughs> programs scorecards. But um, I, oh, I you made tweeted a out a picture of that, right? With them all arranged. I did. I did. I, I actually laid out. them all out as best as I could in chronological. But one that wasn't in the picture was the the Kane County um, score uh, scorecard. And in that game, uh, I know we're not talking 1994, but that's going to be a brutal year. So I'll be happy to do it again. But I remember seeing Arod, and he didn't do anything. I went with my dad. I was living in DeKalb, right? I headed out to uh, Geneva. My dad just came down from Elk Grove. Um, Arod uh, in this game, he got a hit in his last at bat, but it was his uh, his uh, fifth trip to the plate. He um, he had walked, but he was uh, otherwise 0 for 3, so he went 1 for 4. And he also made an error, but it didn't matter. It was just funny because the guy was a man child, right? And like it, like baseball is a funny game anyway. It's why it makes it hard to scout sometimes because you could play one position, the ball never gets hit to you. You know, um, you might not get anything to hit. And he did not do anything special, but just the way the dude walked around, he was huge. You just, you know, he had a presence about him. And it was only a year later. What was he? Twenty or nine? He won. You said he won a batting title at nineteen. Was that nineteen ninety six? Because he was on the play. He was on that unlikely Seattle playoff team that supposedly saved the. The, the Mariners right. he was Seattle, and that was in 95, and I right. saw him in 94. He, he was, that was his first, like, the end of that season was his, like, first taste of uh, the big leagues. His, his and Lou liked him so much, he he made them put him on the postseason roster. That's right. Jesus. And he was not even 20? Yeah, I was wrong. He, he was his 20-year-old season. Incredible, though. So that was probably 1996. So did he win the batting crowd the very next year, or maybe 97? No, he won the batting title yeah. his first um, his first full season. Uh, he must not have qualified for rookie year. He played 17 games in 94, 48 in 95. So he actually got called up the year I saw him in A-ball in uh, Geneva, yeah. Illinois. He, he ended up old. on the Mariners that season. He, hit, um, he was 11 for 54 with uh, two homers. In, but in 1996, his first full season in the big leagues. A-Rod led the American League in runs with 141, doubles with 54, total bases, 379, and he batted 358. He was an all-star, he won the Silver Slugger, and he was runner-up in the MVP to, I don't know, um, Juan Gonzalez. Okay. And, Juan uh, had forty. A Rod had thirty six homers, one hundred twenty three RBIs in his first. And, you, and this was long before we discovered how weird he was. So he was actually really likable. It's yes. like a great story. Yeah, you thought, oh my god, this guy's awesome. Yeah, he's he perfect, he's right? Like, Hollywood good looks. He's like smooth, and he's a goddamn incredible ball player. I mean, and, and he was. It's so frustrating that he did what he did because he took steroids. He didn't need him. He just did. And he's an asshole. It's gonna keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Is it? I think. Although it should, honestly, it shouldn't. Because if you you pull up his baseball reference page and anything you lead the league in, they they bold type. Uh huh. Yeah, this freaking thing is full of bold. Is it? It's. Is it really? Yes. It's yeah. ridiculous. You're right. The, the the black ink is such a perfect visual indicator. Baseball reference. Which is why, if you want to laugh, look at Harold Baines. You'll have to search for the black <laughs> ink. Oh, he probably he'd love the league and ground in double plays. I'm sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if they chronicle that. 
I think he had a sack flies, maybe or intentional walks. I can't remember, but yeah, you see a lot of black ink. You don't really have to make the argument. I mean, you know, you get it. You can get into that steroid debate. I tend to sort of just wave it because a lot of it was relative. Um, but I guess, but the other reason, aside from that whole slippery slope of a discussion, um, is the fact that the guy just works his ass off. He sucks at it, but like he's very visible. There, that's always sort of been. A, you know, Joe Morgan sort of did that to perfection and got in on the first ballot. You know, Ron Santo tried and failed, but that was always the formula is to get in the media, keep yourself present, and you'll get in, right? Yeah, I mean, if you become the greatest radio analyst of all time, which Ron clearly was, (laughs) sure. Um, Well, well, hey, you know what? They let Hawk Harrelson in as a broadcaster, so I, I guess the thought of Santo, you know, getting in that way isn't so ridiculous. But at least they didn't. At least they, they he they voted him in as a player. I know that he probably would have never gotten in had he not done his twenty years in the GN booth. But the shtick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we interrupt. Remember this Mariner to get back to August second, two thousand. Do we have right? Okay, the day the two thousand and nine Cubs fell out of the fell out of first place. They're their 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 single season uh, season long uh, high of one one half game uh, in first place. So it's, uh, like we said, it's Ricky Nolasco, uh, Cub star, former Cub prospect, mm-hmm. uh, against the great Ryan Dempster. And they're both dealing. It's scoreless going into the top of the third when um, Dempster leads off with a strikeout. Sam Fold walks. Ryan Terrio singles. Ground ball through weak third base. So I'm sure he hit the shot. <laughs> it had a hit probability of uh, minus 4%. I don't know if that's possible. This adds um, up. Checks out. And then Derek Lee singles to center, scores fold. Jake Fox strikes out, and Mike Hoffpower grounds out. But um, okay. so the Cubs have a okay. one nothing lead, and Ryan Dempster, he's just going to make that stand up. So uh, he has uh, – he pitches he scoreless baseball. Oh, he didn't give it right back by walking the first four hitters the next inning? He goes, it's, uh, it's South Florida in August. What do you think the temperature was at the beginning of the sa- Sunday afternoon game? Uh, 96 90 degrees so 90 that's a little high um, but Dempster goes yeah six innings six shutout innings and he All hands right. the ball over to uh, a a one-time Met phenom Aaron Heileman oh Notre Dame uh, a golden domer correct yes that is true uh, he strikes out Dan Ugla to start off the seventh and then he gives up a home run to Cody Ross so we're tied can I just stop for a minute? You mentioned Dan Ugla. You mentioned Mike Broad earlier, Bad Kermit. One of the funniest observations. I think it was on a podcast with you from back then. Were you guys doing a podcast in 2000? I think you were. Yeah. Oh, we, we've we been podcasting forever. 2009 marks uh, a decade of podcasting for you. So kudos. But Mike uh, said one of the funniest things that I ever remember hearing in the context of baseball was that Dan Ugla, what did he say? He said if uh, he was like, if you took the legs of Ron Say, <laughs> the face of Corey, I'm not, I'm not, Corey Hart? Talking, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm screwing up the I'm screwing up the joke now. Never mind. But it was something like, yeah, I, I, it included the legs run, say the torso of another player. I'll, I ruined it, and uh, you can cut it, or I can remember it later and tweet it. But uh, it did involve Dan, who I think he had short arms. That was really the big thing. Short arms. 
No, he said here was Corey Hart's face, uh, Dan Ugla's arms, Ron Say's legs. This might be problematic. You'd have the perfect midget ball player. Sorry. <laughs> little little people. They like they prefer little people. I know, but this was two thousand nine. Very, so. very sensitive to little people on the so, I apologize. So we apologize. Uh, so Heilman gives it up and now we're tied. Uh, Dempster's not gonna get the win. Boo hoo hoo. Uh, but he gets uh, he gets through the uh, seventh. Only allows that run. Uh, Good for him. The uh, in the eighth, Lou Lou heads out, and that way he doesn't head out. He just uh, brings in a new pitcher, and this was a a Cub prospect that Steve Stone once predicted uh, was going to win the Cy Young someday. Jesus, he was a, a starter who, who never could never hack it as a starter, mostly because of physical injuries. A, a Cubs prospect in 2009? No, Cub prospect from before. This was him kind of hanging on in the big leagues. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Was Remember it, uh, Angel Guzman? Oh, yeah, I do. Come on. Angel Guzman was still pitching for the Cubs in 2000. Was he not on Indeed. our radar like in 2003? Did we? I, am I misremembering? Was he not like one of these guys? Whoa, when... When Maddox retires or Clement moves on, we're gonna just put a, you know Angel Guzman in there. I believe that was part of the part of the plan. Um, Jeez, it's funny to think of like all of the players that we had like genuinely high hopes for. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Let's see, Angel Guzman. He um, may have had some burst of uh, of effectiveness. I bet if you were to like really take a deep dive into his stats because I think he did have good stuff. I don't think he was just hype. I don't know why he doesn't say in here when they signed him, but he made his debut in 2006. He was 24. I know that he had made like a big splash in spring training, maybe in 04 or 05. And so we're like, oh, here he comes. And then he never there you have it. came. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2009 mm-hmm. was his final season in the big leagues. He pitched in 55 games. He had a 295 ERA. Wow. He only had 41 hits in 61 innings. He was good. So clearly he got for, hurt again. Yeah, he must have. Because, I mean, he was pitching well for a good – I mean, not a good team. Sorry. not. But, a, you know. They finished second place. They finished in second, and they didn't probably get eliminated till mid-September, I'm guessing. All right? I mean, this, is not, this is, does not feel like one of those teams – like we talked about the 2001 Cubs last week. They felt legitimately in it. I mean, again, I, I'm jaded here. I, I probably shouldn't offer too much of my own personal observation because I don't really have – too much. I, some of these things come back to me. I still, you know, it was still incidental to my following, but um, it doesn't feel, I don't think of 2009 when I think of a team that, you know, broke my heart and faded out of the playoffs like the 2001 Cubs. So, um, now we get to the, Angel goes one, two, three, um, gets rid of Emilio, or he, uh, he sets down Emilio Bonifacio, Nick Johnson, and Jorge Cantu. And the Cubs are Can, off. Sorry. Cannot. Yeah. That was my favorite Jorge Cantu joke when he was a player. So we're tied going to the ninth. A barrel-chested reliever, former Angel Brenda Donnelly, comes in to try to uh, um, keep, it, keep it tied. Yep. It's a 1-1 game. But he is no match for Jake Fox, who on the first pitch he throws. Jake Fox goes yard? Hits a home run to deep left to put the Cubs up 2-1. to one. They're going to be – they're going to – Hang on to sole possession of first place. This Jake Fox is going to ride. He's going to drive us to the playoffs. Lou, Sing, Lou, Lou gets out of the phone, calls down to the bullpen, and who is who is he warming up to close this one out? 
I couldn't even. Oh, uh, Eric Craig, right? No, it's the eighth inning. It's yeah, the Eric Craig might have been it, preferable. No, this is the ninth. Top of the ninth. Okay. Home run. So all you got to do now, knock him, get, you know, set him down the bottom of the ninth. You win the game. Yes, Kevin Gregg gets Kevin up. Kevin Gregg. Kevin Gregg. Sorry. Uh, Milton Bradley um, is up next. He flies out. Uh, Soriano strikes out. Fontenot walks. Coy Hill strikes out. So the Cubs aren't able to attack on any uh, insurance right. runs. They're going to Pat Hughes. That. Pat Hughes doesn't get to get do a read. He's very disappointed. Yep. Uh, but the Cubs have the lead, and they're. I'm going to look it up here. Their win expectancy is 82% going into the top of the, going to the bottom of the ninth with a one run lead. I think, I think they originally would have had 90% and they did a, a double take and looked at Kevin Gregg's sport goggles and then immediately lowered it to 82. Sorry, the, maybe that's the great. first batter for the Marlins in the ninth, future batting champion, Hanley Ramirez. Hmm. Kevin Gregg says, Pff, and Hanley pops out to third. Okay. Win expectancy now 89%. You could taste it. Mm-hmm. Now he falls behind Dan Ugla, and on a 3-1 pitch, Midget arms. Dan Ugla cranks one to deep left to uh, tie the game. I'm vaguely remembering this now. Fireworks was- go off. It was ugly. Marlins are jumping up and down. All 29,000 fans, of which there probably were 12,000 still there. Very excited. <laughs> it's what we get for making fun of Ugla and his midget arms. Don't even give the firework guy time to reload because on the next pitch, Cody Ross is a home run to the exact same <laughs> fucking next. spot. I totally remember that now. I do. I was I was emotionally disinterested, but of course, like Al Pacino and Godfather Three, I know I was at this point pulled back in because Cody Ross definitely rings a bell. He became a World Series hero for the Giants a few years after that because I remember watching yes. that World Series. Yes. And I remember that fucking guy. I didn't know how. I didn't know why I remembered him, but now I do. So the Cubs lose a heartbreaker. They have to go to Cincinnati that on is a Monday. But. Um. Oh God, I almost forgot lo- about this guy. I know you're talking about because I'm looking at it now. I Randy had to pl- I Wells. Resist. If you need a stopper, the guy who's going to do it for you is Randy Wells. He's not going to let this turn into a losing streak. And you're right. He did. He and wins. The, the name that jumps out to me is not the winning pitcher in that game. Is the losing pitcher for the Reds? Yes. The, the eternally mouth breathing Aaron Haran. <laughs> And a bit of a cub killer, maybe for a short period of time. I mean, he was not a bad pitcher. He looked like he would, like, you know, be working for, like, Aramark, like, underneath the stands. But he apparently, uh, he, I think he was good for a little while, and he seemed pretty tough on the Cubs. So kudos to Randy Wells being the stopper. Gets them right back on track, right? And that's, not, that's not even enough. The next day, Tom Gorzolani beats the, beats the Reds. The Cubs are still tied for first. So I've kind of missed. Uh-huh. It, kind of well, they went. They went. They went back into first thanks to Randy Arms. So they yes. fell. Yeah, they were. They fell a half game out, and they were back. They were tied. So now you're going to go for the sweep with Rich Harden, and that's not going to happen. And that, that loss, they lost four to nothing to whoever was it. Jim Lair from the McNeil Lair Hour is that? <laughs> Justin Lair, former yeah. Brewer. Well, don't the Cubs have a history, especially like maybe in games when they're trying to make it to the playoffs where some unknown – I mean, maybe a lot of teams feel this way. Comes up out of nowhere and just baffles them. I can't even think of another example offhand, but I, it feels like a thing. 
So they get shut out on Wednesday the 5th, and then they proceed to lose. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight of their next nine, and that's pretty much it. That was it. Yeah, I was in your, I don't remember any of that, and I'm glad now, but looks like Jason Hamill, future Cub Jason Hamill, beat the Cubs in one of those games. He beat Randy Wells on uh, Wells' next start. Um, Yeah, that seems to have done it. Were they four and a half out back? They never got closer. Just sort of faded. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I just don't have enough uh, stored in my own memory about this team. And upon further review, maybe they are sort of technically. I think we were spoiled with Osa. Like you know, we'd had some good teams then. Just angry when they didn't do anything. But you know, I don't know. Looking at this now, having re-reviewed it, I don't know how you can say that the 2009. Cubs were, you know, not in contention. I just don't really, it doesn't really jump out for me for reasons I've already stated. So also points out how wrong I was to say that they were a bad team. They really weren't bad, but they weren't really that that good. But they were in contention till mid-August. I mean, you make it past July, and if you're in first place, you know, right? Are there cases when that's not the case? If there is, maybe this is one, but... But it, it was, and, for, and no matter what, it was basically the window shutting. This was, this was it until Theo came, as far as any hope. So, yeah, it was a a very strange season, almost from the beginning. Um, Milton Bradley, because that Milton, Milton fucking Bradley in the clubhouse yeah. from the beginning. So Milton I mean, got he did, hurt he, on the first on the road trip to open. I want to say the, the first time he reached base, possibly. It was in the Astrodome, right? Yeah. And I think he finally got on base. Like, I think he may, maybe I'm wrong. Again, I, sh- I should maybe not dabble in this season, which I'm well, admittedly it's, remember, it's, committed to Remember recall. this crap, not research. Right. Help edify me. Because I think he got off a little bit of a slow start, but I want to say it was like the, he finally got on base with a hit or something. And then he was like, oh, I pulled my hamstring. Or, well, but what I, I remember mean, I, now, I'm frantically trying to look this up was I'm pretty sure he pinch hit the first game he finally played at Wrigley. He pinch hit and got thrown out of the game <laughs> during the at-bat. But I could be wrong here. Shouldn't be hard. if that, I mean, if that part of, of your memory is true, then it shouldn't be hard to nail it because you just find – well, it would have been, would have been an opening day, like his, his first game. No, I just looked up opening day. He didn't play. Open, home, the home opener, he didn't play. Okay, um, and he, he. So I believe it's because yeah. he was still uh, injured. So I'm going to just look at his game log here real quick. Um, yeah. His first got home on... game wasn't. It was in the second game of a doubleheader against. Um, that can't be right. It was against yeah. the Cardinals on April 16th. They weren't playing doubleheaders that early. And he did have one uh, at bat. He struck out. Maybe he got thrown out after the at bat. It would have just been perfect for him to have been tossed during yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm almost positive that he – it probably was. I'm sure he got rung up on a pitch he didn't agree with, and then he got tossed. But that kind of set uh, the tone. You also remember that was – well, it was his only season with the Cubs. Uh, yep. He had a game where he caught a fly ball and thought yes, there were three outs I know and turned and I, threw the ball into the stands. Can I just tell you that I – when you say 2009 Cubs, and you gave me – I failed tonight on my five fast facts because I couldn't even think of five things about the team. Well, he's but on a three, you know, and two of them were right, so that's good. <laughs> it's right, because the Cubs weren't bad. 
But uh, I believe the first thing I uttered was Milton Bradley. And because the very first thing I think about with Milton Bradley is that because we were, we were in Lake Geneva with my family. We were up in like Lake Delavan, Wisconsin. We had a cottage. We were in a bar watching that game. And I remember, it, I think it was a Friday after, I'm pretty sure it was a Friday afternoon game because we were all on like vacation. And um, yeah, he caught a fly ball in the right field. He, you know, so it was like, even when he like thought he was doing something that would ingratiate himself with the fans. He was completely, completely fucked it up because the game, it was the second out of the inning. He thought it was the third. He thought the inning was over and he throws the ball into the stands. And I want to say it was an interleague game against the twins, but I might be wrong. It would have been in August. Um, and then, and then you may also recall Andy. Um, it was at Saks park, right? During an interleague game where he had a very public shouting match with Pinella. Well, the Cubs always seemed to the 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 Lou Pinella Cubs always melted down in the dugout in Comiskey. They had the Lou got into it with Carlos Sembrano in the dugout one year. Um, He got into it with Milton. They had the Sembrano Bear in '07, right? That was in the dugout. That was at Wrigley. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. You're talking about the Sox Park. Yeah, but still, it was a very tumultuous time. Uh, with the Cubs, but I do remember they had at least two incidents in the in the visitors' dugout at Comiskey in the park they barely played in, and they would melt down over there, which was just real enjoyable. Yeah, for nobody. Um, yeah. Okay, so Milton Bradley had a very um, he had a very checkered career. He was a well, I- he was a hot shot prospect. It was Expos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had him on our uh, minor league. Uh, I had a team with Oleg, a rotisserie team with some guys in DeKalb that so geeky that we have minor league players. And, and we had Bradley even before he had gotten called up. So I, I knew he was with the Expos. And uh, he got traded. Well, and let's, let's not even get into the fact that uh, obviously for most Americans of a certain age, probably like over 20. You know, I mean, like Milton, Milton Bradley, like who names their son Milton? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he wasn't necessarily set up to be on the right course for emotional stability. I don't know. Well, I a, mean, a red flag for Milton, or for any player really, would be that when you have a good year and then a team says, all right, you can go now. So <laughs> his best season for the Indians, because he got traded for Zach Day, and he went to the Indians in 2001. From 2000- the Expos? Yes. God, I vaguely remember Zach Day. That's funny. All right. 2003, Milton hits 321 uh, with a 923 OPS. He's a legit – That's a he's a really good hitter. I mean, it's only he, – yep. he, he also always got hurt. Um, so it always he – was, he, he, he was fragile. Yes. yes. And then they said, hey, Milton, that's awesome. Um, how would you like to go play for the Dodgers? <laughs> so they traded him um, – him and Franklin Gutierrez. Okay. Um, for Andrew Brown. Shouldn't yeah. that be right. kind of a uh, move? Right. Okay, we've got this really good young player. Uh, can we get Andrew Brown for him? Sure. All right, yeah. you can have it. Enjoy <laughs> Milton. He's a lot of fun. Deal. <laughs> Plays two years for the Dodgers in 2005. He hits 290 with a 350 on base of 484. And uh-huh. the Dodgers call up... Um, the A's, and they're like, uh, can we have Andre Ethier? So, like, sure. Uh, 
no problem. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. Ethier, I mean, in retrospect, I, 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 I dare say. I mean, in, aside from the lopsidedness of the trade based on a team's eagerness to tra- trade Milton Bradley, but... 2007, he so he, he doesn't even... He, oh, he plays one full season for the A's. Uh, Pits pretty well, 818 OPS. The next year... Um, He's a classic money ball player, really. I mean, he had a high on base and stuff. You'd think he'd fit in there. The next year, he gets traded to the Padres. And in the, in the middle of a big game for the Padres... He gets called out on a check swing third. No, it was a close play at first base. He he turns and he's arguing with the uh, the umpire at first base, and the first base coach is trying to keep him from uh, you know bumping into the ump and getting thrown out. Milton tears his ACL out for the rest of the season. <laughs> I remember that now. <sighs> so the Padres are like. No thanks. He signs as a free agent with the Rangers in 2008, and he leads the American League in on-base percentage, 436, and has a nearly has a Unreal. thousand OPS, 999 OPS. Unreal. So the Cubs are like, he's he's an all-star. The only time he's ever an all-star, and he's finished 17th in the MVP voting. And so the Cubs need a left-handed hitter, and they're like, this is our guy. He's a free agent because no one will sign him for more than one year. Jim Henry flies out to wherever he lives. Seattle, I think. Maybe that's where Milton lives. Flies out to, to needs to see him eye to eye, face to face. Going to find out, going to get a true measure of the man. That's right. And he says, this Milton, this is a hell of a guy. You're yeah. the guy we need to play right field for us. And they sign him. And uh, they had a very similar meeting uh, later, in that, later in that season where Jim told Milton, go the fuck home. And don't ever come back. Well, was was he Henry was probably the first guy to not give him a one year deal. Was he not signed for a multi year deal or what? Do you know offhand? I'll look it up because he was like a big free agent signing. So I just ordinarily assume, uh, you know, that that means that you know, yeah, he, he had multi year. Yes, he had to have at least had a two year deal because he got and traded so th- to the Mariners. For it was basically, hey, we've got a bad contract. Jose Silva, I know that. I know, even though I was checked Close. out, I know that Close. was it. So, Carlos Silva. Carlos Silva. He went. He went. He went, and he was horrible. And he went four and zero in his first yep. four starts. Like, ah, we really got something. We just pulled off the. Henry's done it again. It's this is Eric Carlos and Mark Grudzelanek all over again. and Carlos, and it wasn't. Yeah, no, no, not not to be. So the um, uh, 2009 Cubs, a real no, fun no, he bunch. Was... Do you remember? This yeah. is always my favorite part. We're just going to go through and look at some of the guys who played on the team. Uh, another great – so you asked the question, and I don't know why I didn't think of this. When they got rid of Mark DeRosa, was the idea, we've got Mike Fontenot. He's going to take over. No, that was not the idea. They signed another hot free agent, a fat little second baseman from the St. Louis Cardinals. And he's going to play uh, second base. Aaron Miles. Aaron Miles. And do you remember oh, what Aaron geez. Miles did for the Cubs? Uh, if you close was... your eyes and wish, he's. It's exactly what Eric Sogard is doing for the Cubs right now. Yeah, yeah, and also Chris Steins in two thousand two. Let's sure to mention that. 
Yeah, basically just corkscrew himself into the ground at home plate and then leave, right? It's, there's a role. I mean, maybe we should come up with a term for that type of a. Aaron Miles played <laughs> 74 games for the uh, t- for the uh, Cubs in 2009. He hit 185 with a 224 oh, on base and a 242 slug, a 466 OPS. His OPS plus, remember, 100. His league average was 20. So. Their their idea was some sort of a Fontenot Miles <laughs> platoon, perhaps hoping to get away with trying to play them at the same time on top of each other. It could, you, yeah, if you had them do that, you'd have a normal sized <laughs> collectively. Yeah, Miles was a switch hitter, so in in theory, you could have done that. Um, now he had oh, played. Right. He was a former oh, White Sox draft pick, I believe. Is that right? No, he was. was a, he? Oh, okay. that's right. Oh. He was, back? he was, I forgot, this is, he was an Astro draft pick. Do you remember the story about when they were in the minor leagues, Aaron Miles yes. and, and Morgan, Morgan Ensberg got held yeah. hostage in their hotel room? Yeah, we all, I always just, was under the impression that those those goofs were trying to buy weed and they met up with the wrong people. Maybe yes. I'm wrong. They were, they, they, were they invited hostage. trouble and they got, and they got it. <laughs> Because they're like, these guys are dumb as fuck, and they got a lot of money. Let's let you know, let's so, leverage this. So Miles played for the Rockies, and then he went to play for the Cardinals. And in 2008, he had a Milton Bradley like uh, over the, his ski the, season. He had 317, 355 on base. So the Cubs are like, for the, oh, uh, for the Cardinals. Now the Cardinals are like, just go away, we don't, which is not a good sign. Except uh, they couldn't quite quit him. Because he came back to the Cardinals in 2010, he had 281. Of course, of course, in, in 139. He's uh, a classic Cardinal, Aaron Miles. Oh, I almost forgot about that little guy. Actually, who he uh, reminds me of. White Sox fans are going to love this. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Miles is Nick Madrigal. Their current, oh yeah, their current you. little. Yeah. I can only hit. I can. I can hit. <laughs> The op- I can hit ground balls to the opposite field, but I never strike out. That's great until right. then either That's somebody for, uh... either somebody hits the ball to you and you have to field it, right? Or you come up in a spot where somebody needs to hit one in the gap, and you that descri- don't have that club in your bag. That description reminds me of another Sox player that we may have to mention when we talk about the 1999 Cubs, and it's Mike Caruso. You might oh, remember. Yeah. Little slap hitter that managed to go through bat 300 one year somehow. Well, the Mike Crusoe thing gives me the willies because, well, actually, the, the current Cubs aren't going to have to do a white flag trade because you'd have to get into the pennant race to be in a white flag trade. But the Crusoe famously came to the Sox Correct. in that trade. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Roberto Hernandez, Danny Darwin. A few so other. now one of, the, one of the great things about having Aaron Miles and Mike Fontenot playing second base for your team is that you're going to need a lot of second basemen during the season. And uh, when I when I mention substitute teaching utility infielders, who comes to mind? Oh, I can't remember. Bobby Scales. Wait, Bobby Scales played on the oh, 2009. Oh, Bobby Scales. Yeah. Was it that long ago that Bobby Scales was trying to make a story for himself as the 31 year old rookie? Right? Was that kind of we were all pulling for Bobby Scales? Like he he was on nobody's prospects radar maybe at one point briefly but he's a lifer oh fond memories good old bobby scales yeah he was exactly that he was a 31 year old rookie who played in 51 games for the cubs that year hit 242 um seemed like a hell of a nice guy (laughs) not a very good player nope and on the team because the cubs uh had a dearth of talent 
and so they needed. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like you said, man. Like, no depth. It's like when you you, you use this sort of a model, right? Where you're not tanking. Uh, you have players that have value. And, of course, you know, that game that we focused on in August, Ramirez was out, but they had Lee, they had Ramirez, they still had Soriano, uh, but they didn't have depth. It was, like, top-loaded. They, they didn't have an idea. Henry was still around, probably woke up every day going, I can't believe I'm still employed. Um, and, and you know, I, it was um, – yeah, it was just uh, you know, like I said, this is this is the I think this is the last year of official Tribune ownership that we're covering here. So um, it's it it went out with a whimper, came in with a bang, uh, but it was on the heels of a team that we had high hopes for that won a collective yeah. oh, they were. 175 games for over two seasons. Yeah. I mean, the 2008 Cubs really seemed like a legitimately good. Yeah, they won 98 games. There yeah. was 97. I think they surpassed the 84 Cubs won 96 games. I think the 98 Cubs surpassed it by one. And this team, like you said, and I had to be edified because I assumed they were bad and they weren't. Uh, not only is it obviously the first time in our in our lives that they had three consecutive uh, 500 plus seasons. Up until the Theo era, it's probably the most wins they've had in a three year period. This is the last year of that run. In fact, I'd be willing to bet without even the benefit of looking it up, that that was the most wins they had in a three-year period in our life. So speaking of utility infielders, um, the Cubs had a guy who had played for the Reds. He was one of those little Johnny tryhards. I already who, mentioned Chris Steins. He no, was seven years earlier. it's not earlier. Chris Steins. It's the other guy. Oh, Ryan Friel? Was Ryan he a Friel? Cub? Yes. Did he, he kill Cub. himself? He I did. He did. Sorry, not to just shot, shot himself in the head three years later. Yes, um, he had a uh, he had a uh, invisible friend yes. named Farney who lived in his and mouth. It was, and it was not Kyle Farnsworth. Yeah. Farney yes. lived in his mouth, and so we yes. everybody thought that was adorable, and it turned out it was just an outward sign of mental illness. Um, right. Right. Sad. Yes. Uh, Tyler Colvin played on the 2009 Cups. Was is this the year that he almost got stabbed in the heart uh, trying to no, score? No, I, believe, I, think, I believe that was 2000. I think that was 2010. Bat. I think he I think Mike Quaddy had to come out and pull the bat out of his chest and <laughs> save his life. Pretty sure. Right. He had to sort of it could have because that was because it was Wellington Castillo and Wellington was not on. Right. No, the I remember this Quaddy had to actually put his head on Colvin's chest <laughs> at such an angle that the sun would bounce <laughs> off it and like burn off the bottom of the you know the, the shard of wood that was impaled uh, in poor Tyler's lung. Uh, Tyler, I believe, was eventually traded by Theo for uh, Ian Stewart, right? Not one of Theo's finest moments, but it's not like a bit of the ass. Colvin was a first-round pick, too, the year before uh, Josh Vitters, I think, in 07. But he was already up in 09, so he must – I think he was a college player. We had high hopes, again, briefly. Yeah, he kind of buried the lead about the – it's true that there were Tyler Colvin and Ian Stewart were um, – involved in a trade uh, they're probably not the two guys the trade is best remembered for um it's also not casey weathers who the cubs got from the rockies it would be future batting champion dj lemayhu that people probably oh, that's, remember that's, that trade for. Yeah, i'm sorry yeah right that's actually a misfire by me that's really how that should be rec- remembered you're right you're right okay so now the cubs also had a speedy little outfielder on this team for a little while. You you already mentioned Samfold. Yeah, this is a this is even better. This is a guy who I think he's probably best known for. Oh, I know. Jumping over a car. Oh, I was going to say Tony Campana, but now it's no. uh, 
Joey Gathright. Joey Gathright played 20 games <laughs> for the 2009 Cubs. He jumped over a car the long way. Not not like not like Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia to dunk. Joey went the long way over the car. He went from the from the rear bumper over to the front hood, yep. right? I would guarantee you. Went from you, the boot to um, the bonnet, as they would say in, I, in England. And for, for kids that want to be amused, Gaithright is spelled G-A-I-T-H-R-I-G-H-T. If you just Google uh, Joey Gaithright car jump, I'm pretty sure it'll take you. That's what the internet is for, is for Joey Gaithright jumping over. Uh, yeah, and, and I misspelled his name like an idiot. No G-A-T, I. not G. Just G- no Gaithright. That's right. Right. Uh, and so then uh, the um, another guy played six <laughs> games for this team. Uh, he is one of Pat Hughes' <laughs> favorite uh, opponents. He played for the Cardinals for a long time. Uh, Japanese outfielder. Do you remember? He just loved yep. his name. He did, because Pat's into like the sort of the linguistic uh, novelties of players' names. Like, you know, Mark Loretta and Mark Grace, their last names are like women's first names. But, of course, Andy, you are talking about a guy who once hit a 600-foot homer off of Kyle Farnsworth, yes, believe it or not, so Taguchi. So Taguchi. That's so Taguchi. Yep. Right. Should have had his own TV show. <laughs> uh, the the Cubs managed to win without a lot of quality starting pitching. Although they had, they did have four starting pitchers. Have we, have we not mentioned Big Z at all tonight? I don't think we've mentioned him. We mentioned him in previous casts, but he was still going. They had four starting pitchers who had ERAs under four. Uh, they were Ryan Dempster. Of course. Theodore Roosevelt Lilly. Oh, he was still, okay. 12 wins for the Cubs. Carlos Sembrano, in 28 starts, had a 377, but only went 9 and 7. Randy Wells, oh, yeah. 12 games for the Cubs, 305 ERA. Right. So this was the one Randy, because I remember like Randy Wells like kept going out there, like he's not that good, and then he'd have a good game, and then he goes out to the next time, like he's not that good, he'd have a good game. And so like nothing about him really reeked like he'd be good, but he had a really good year in 2009. And then I remember, all right, now you've put your hope into Randy Wells in 2010, 2011. And then it was like, oh, that's the guy that I thought, I kept thinking that we were having before he kept, he just had a career year. So good for Randy. I don't know if he got anything out of that, like a multi-year deal or anything, but it was a, a sound. I think he got a truck. He, got he a, might have gotten a he truck. He got enough right. money to buy a pickup. That's all he ever really wanted. That's right. We'll talk more about this next guy in the 2008 uh, pod because he was the Cubs' answer to the CC Sabathia trade. The Cubs traded uh, Eric Patterson and some other great players for Rich Harden. Oh, uh, yeah, and- they also traded Josh Donaldson. And, but right, right, and for dumpster boy. Now, a little unfair to like rail on them for Donaldson. Although again, it, it's so Jim Henry to like draft a guy that low, fall ass backwards into him. He would not have developed in the Henry system. I would have to imagine. Well, wasn't he still a catcher for the Cubs? He was. The he was not. He was. He was the. Thr- yeah, he was. A, he was kind of like one of those guys that the Cubs got for you, right? He might turn into a great player for me. Right? No, for you, Darwin. Well, for, <laughs> why so, you? Did I get traded? Um, but it's a long way away. And in this case, it turned out Josh Donaldson developed into a great player, but there's a, there's a butterfly effect. You don't know if that's how it would have worked out with the Cubs. And obviously when we're looking at this time frame, where no they Jake were just, Fox. A, they were, he was so not, like, or a, right, we, got, we got Jake Fox, we got Josh Donaldson. Well, clearly we're going to keep Jake Fox. <laughs> I'm still stunned that Jake, cause I know Jake Fox. And I, I know he was on the 2005 Cubs. If I'm wrong, it's not as bad as misfiring on Sammy Sosa, but it's, if that's true, then it's just funny that he was still hanging around in 2009, just just tantalizing 
tantalizing the powers that be with so, his potential. But so Rich Harden was the guy they got in that trade, who was a super talented pitcher, who just he was. was never healthy. On the rare days when he was healthy, teams no one could hit him. It just didn't because, happen but, often but enough. The, he was so fragile that it took him like nine pitches to retire. He'd get like ten strikeouts a game and give up one hit and two walks, and he'd be at a hundred pitches at yeah. five innings. That's my recollection of Rich Harden. It was not a bad trade at the time, and they were going for it. again. They Henry still had that light. It was like as you point correctly pointed out, Andy, that it was after the season when they reeled him in, but they were they were spending freely and, and Harden was a, an established pitcher and Josh Donaldson's future prospects aside, the Cubs are not giving up a lot to get him. So I, I gotta give Lou credit for winning eighty four games with the bullpen that they gave him. Considering he he didn't have a dominant they didn't have good pitching, really. Um Kevin Gregg was a closer. There are two uh, the, the the relievers he used the most. Uh, he used Aaron Heilman seventy times, but Sean Marshall pitched fifty five games for the for the Cubs, and Carlos Marmol, who had just had two of the most ridiculously good seasons a relievers mm-hmm. ever had, yep, had yep. He, he was not he hadn't gone full Marmol yet. He was still he was still good. He just wasn't as dominant. Um, because he he used to put you know if the, those two the two seasons previous he put up ridiculous strikeout numbers this year he struck out ninety three and seventy four innings which is good I mean it's really good yeah. earlier, but it's not like the numbers he was but he walked sixty five in seventy four yeah because they stopped they they stopped chasing that that perfectly placed pitch that nobody went. hit him but he if he just didn't swing he had a decent chance well, of still getting on first and did you say Aaron Heilman had seventy innings pitched or seventy appearances seventy appearances. I mean that alone is is just not that I need it. Uh, just more evidence that I was checked out because I never would have guessed that Heilman pitched that much for the Cubs. And uh, also, um, once again, I'm wrong. Not as embarrassingly, Sammy Sosa. Jake Fox did not debut debut until 2007, not 2005, but still. Uh, Jeff Samarja pitched 20 games for them. He had pitched the year before with a he really did. good ERA, and they, I think he may have made the team out of spring training, and they realized he was not re- really ready. Yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing that they put – first of all, Samarja was, you know, uh, catching passes at Notre Dame in 2005 and then chose baseball over football. But he got called up as a reliever in some, like, high-pressure games in August and September. For I mean, again, the Cubs ran away with the division, but, you know, it's not over till it's over. And and he – I remember he pitched in some high-leverage situations and, and, and did, did well and then sort of – you know, they kind of stashed him again. I mean, it was it would be another five years before he was an opening day starter, I want to say, in 2014. Um, other guys who pitched out of the bullpen, remember John Grabo? Yeah, I do. It came from Pittsburgh in the Gorzolani deal, right? There was a trade that brought – we were excited. Cubs got Gorzolani. I don't know who they traded. That must have been the year before. Like, it wasn't as big as the Harden-Chad-Godan trade. But they, I want to say they picked up Gorzolani and uh, and that what's his nuts uh, the year before. And he came back the next year. They traded. They got him this year in two thousand nine. They got John Grabo, who who was a guy that think they really were trading for, and Tom Gorzolani for the for Jose Ascanio. I vaguely remember him. Is Kevin a pitcher, Hart, right? 
Remember Kevin Hart, not the diminutive Remember, comedian. No, Kevin Hart was going to drink the blood of the non-believers if Apex was to be believed back in the Discipio days. And future all-star with an asterisk, Josh Harrison. He was an all-star oh. because Mike Matheny decided that uh, when the game counted, <laughs> he needed a utility player on the all-star team kind, one year. Kind, Josh Harrison. Kind of a Ron Coomer all-star, is that what you're saying? Moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's a bad. Uh, oh, one of uh, Tom Gorzolani's uh, comps, closest players, Bob Ochinko. I remember Bob Ochinko. That name will get. Name? That name would have gotten Ron Santo uh, suspended. That's right, or Harry Carey. Yeah. Same, with, always, same uh, with Kike Hernandez. It's a good thing Kike wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. I always regretted the fact that Harry Carey died before having the opportunity to pronounce Hideo Nomo's name, Nadeo <laughs> Homo. Yeah, that's but never pretty, never pretty happened sure here. Would have happened. He had a few chances, but it just never came out, you know. So, uh, former um, White Sox Neil Cotts was in the bullpen, pitched 19 games for the the uh, heart. Yeah, the heart throb of with his World Series ring dangling. Yes, he's Neil. He's pitching. I hate to admit this because it acknowledges the Sox won the World Series, but Neil uh, Neil Cotts is the answer to a trivia question. He is the only Sox pitcher. That did not start a game, but pitched for them in the ALCS against the Angels. Ah, yeah. See, I wouldn't know. I literally didn't watch any of their playoff games. Like that Packers uh, playoff game? Yep. Yeah, I know. I couldn't help. I was rooting against them, and all I did was agitate myself. Yeah, I just said, nope, I don't need to see it, and I don't. Especially um, when they went especially when on this historic run, which I had to appreciate in some level, that it, like, it wasn't even like old-school pitchers from the 50s. It was like old-school pitching from 2000 or 1908. Like what? You had four complete games, and the other guy went eight and a third. So you're gonna insane. like this. Jake Fox wasn't the only Fox who pitched, who played for the Cubs that year. I know, I know, Chad. I remember Chad Fox, right? Yeah, Did we have high hopes that Chad Fox would might be able to step into the closers role maybe in 2009? Maybe we not. did, and he did, and then he he his arm fell off. Oh, that's too bad. Um, actually. His uh, he, the, the Cubs first got him in 2005, and he was pitching high leverage innings for the 2005 Cubs, very much like the 2009 Cubs, um, a team that was better than you think, but still wasn't very good. Right. Actually, I find a lot of analogies with because 2005, like 2009, was sort of after the the bloom had fallen off, right? Because 2005 was uh, they they go five outs in the World Series in 03. They don't get eliminated till the end in heartbreaking fashion in 04 and then 05. They were, that team did not finish 500. I remember hoping they wouldn't because Dusty so wanted them to finish 500 to be the first team to win, uh, to finish 500 three straight years. But very similar to the 09 team where again, 07, 08, the Cubs have a little bit of an ascension. They're in the playoffs. Uh, they get knocked out and, but you're still hopeful. And then it just kind of, it never felt like that so it's a it's a good observation uh 2009 cubs very analogous the old five cubs were uh they got close 79 and 83 and it broke a streak of nine seasons in a row where dusty's teams had finished over 500 Uh, he's only ever at that point i was so mad at dusty at least had more than you think but not very many i mean dusty obviously has uh, oh, his first year, first year he won 100 games. 103 and games and didn't make the playoffs. Missed the playoffs. 
Then he had two. He had three straight losing seasons after that with the Giants. But then one, two, three, four. And then he got knocked out by the Marlins for the first time in '97. And then then he had seven straight winning ones. Always a good sign when you manage your team to the World Series. Your contract's up, and the team goes. You know, that's probably enough. You know, that's Felipe Lou wants your gig. We're just going to hire Felipe. Um, We know you were. What? Four outs away that time, I think, from winning the World Series. But now that we were done, yes. But you, right. you right. have a very huge, um, you have a, you have a lot of back taxes you need to pay, or they're going to put right. the cuffs on you. So you just take a four year deal with the Cubs, take as much as you can, and basically uh, at your press conference, tell everybody that's why you took it. Well, I talked to Don right. Baylor about whether or not you guys were racist, and he's not, he didn't say that you. He said maybe, um, but I I needed the money, so I took the job. So here right. I am. Everybody excited? Okay, great. Uh, so I, I thought I thought we could introduce a new feature since we're in baseball season. Like whatever year we pull up, like do an on this day. But there was no Cubs game in 2009 on April 20th. Oh, in fact, it must have been a rainout. Right. But I just happened to notice a name, uh, a losing pitcher on the opposition on April 26th for the Cardinals. And I'm just going to ask you what this guy's nickname was to see if you can remember. Okay. He, was, he came up as a Cub. Uh, kind of alongside the other John Lester, who spelled his name like the English people do, L E I C E S D R. Yeah, the Iceman. Uh, but the losing pitcher in this game, in which the aforementioned Rich Harden won. I already know 26. who the pitcher is, and there's a Tell pretty good nickname. chance that he, we know where first. he was on January 6th. We have a pretty good chance, I think, we know where this guy was. Can you tell me what you remember his nickname maybe being? I remember that he didn't have a neck, and I think that's part of it, right? Yes. No, the nickname was Shoulders. Shoulders. He should have just been Shrug. That's what his nickname should have been. I think he did that, seriously, because Wellemeyer is such a long last name. I think he did it so that his name fell nice on his back. I think he just said, well, well, if I I hunch like this. That looks nice. <laughs> and so, so, so you're saying Todd Wellmeyer likely stormed the Capitol? Didn't Todd right. Wellmeyer. Now, this we should save this for this for a Todd Wellmeyer season. Yeah, because he was not on the 2009 Cubs. Didn't he pitched he, against them. Didn't he hit an extra innings home run against the Brewers? No. He was the winning pitcher in the game in which Corey Patterson homered off okay. a former Cubs outfielder, Brooks Kieschnick, and got three. And it was his major league debut, yeah. and he struck out the side in fa- on all, all three right. batters. See, I remembered it. I, because Cor- a Corey Patterson home run seems so fluky to me, I th- I assumed no. oh, Todd Walmart hit the home run. No. I knew it was a complete fluke. <laughs> Shoulders, it wasn't that. Right. It would, it would have been like Jim Bullinger, like homering in his major league debut, except it was his, uh, he was doing what he was paid to do, and he actually struck out the side on, on you know. Um, but, yeah, Patterson, just to bring everything full circle, because we tend to do that every week, I think you said that the, the sub name of the podcast should be inadvertently uh, that Brooks Kieschnick was on the mound. I think that just sums it all up, because he's been mentioned as a, Former Cubs bust, and Corey Patterson homers off him, and Todd Wellmeyer strikes out the side, gets a save, and then Cubs beat Wellmeyer in the current 2009 season, and then Wellmeyer's in jail for storming the Capitol. So, you know, it's all full, full circle. Um, so baseball's best fans, because Wellmeyer went on to pitch for the Cardinals. Oh, uh, baseball's best fans, uh, got Todd a little irritated. Um, well, kind of during the aftermath of uh, George Floyd. Um, oh. Todd basically well, tweeted a few things that were not terribly sensitive. and they Good to know. He tweeted them, and then he threw a fit. 
All right, so just so you know, while I was talking and, and rambling, uh, I had Todd Wilmer's baseball reference page on. A, I just noticed that baseball reference, they've made a lot of changes late, lately. One is that they will include a former or current player's Twitter uh, handle if he's on Twitter. And in which case, I clicked on Todd Wilmer's and see that I am blocked. I didn't even know he was on Twitter. <laughs> well, there you go. Ooh, I wonder and if I, am. I am not blocked. Like, I'm a pain in the ass. I'm a gadfly. I'm annoying. I'm an ass. I'm like, you know, hiding behind my keyboard. But I'm not blocked by a lot of people. John Cass. Paul Sullivan did block me, but then he unblocked me. Julie DeCaro. There's not that many, um, honestly. And uh, But Todd Wellmeyer well, is part of that select group, and I didn't even know he was on Twitter. So I'm he somehow not. managed to no, pre-block I'm, me. I'm not blocked by Todd. I can I can. You're not? It. I can enjoy. How are you all, not? I can enjoy all the Todd Miller tweets. <laughs> How are you not? I've got like two hundred five. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> so his most recent tweet is, um, I don't. It's a it's a picture of a stenciled sign. Uh, it says America is not divided by race, color, gender, or sexual orientation. America is divided into wise people and fools, and fools divide themselves by race, color, gender, or sexual orientation. So, so wise. So, well, thanks. I, I thank really, you, Todd. I really miss- Means a lot. Whatever. Your had had I had I not known I had been blocked by Todd, I could have been following him and been exposed to such nuggets. Um, I wonder when he got blocked. Were I don't you, know. Were you mean to him while he was still playing? I never interacted with him. I wasn't following him. He, I got preemptively blocked. My shoulders. Whatever, dude. Well, those are the best. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have more of that. He wasn't even on the 2009 Cubs, but, you know. Well, a lot a lot happened in a season that, for most of it, was... All the memorable stuff was bad. <laughs> for a team that, Cody was, Ross, team that was okay... No. Milton don't Bradley remember the, don't remember any of these big wins. Just remember, right. yeah, right. Like oh, like even like you know, Chip was long gone, but like you know, Len just going like like the 2007 Cubs are like struggle, but they squeaked in. But there's always the and we'll yeah. give it plenty of airtime. The Aramis Ramirez homer against Milwaukee. Yeah, I like what do you, what do you, what po- what positive things do you remember about this? It's got to be the most forgettable. We talked about the 2001 Cubs being the best bad team, so I don't know. This might be one of the worst good teams. I don't know. Were they better than the 2001 Cubs? They both yeah, missed the with playoffs. That, not with that pitching. I think, well, the thing we didn't talk about, though, is they, I mean, yeah, they finished second place. They only won 84 games. I mean, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a team that had won 97. So they were on the decline. Or, you know, I don't know how many they won the year before, but. Um, and it was like it was the it was everything was coming to a close. Whether or not I was following them as much as I used to or not, I made it clear that I wasn't. But um, the Ricketts moved in next year. That'll be fun. I'll have to brush up when we do those seasons, and then you know, then it's the end of the Theo era, which we're still processing. But it's it was it was this weird three year period of Tribune ownership that does not fit that Dallas Green era or that Andy McPhail era. Um, but it was Tribune owned, but it was, uh, you know, a team that was on the tail end of a, their best three-year run in our lifetime, sad as that sounds. Yeah, the, the Cubs finished a cool, they won 83 games, not 84. They won 83 games. They finished a cool seven and a half behind the Cardinals, went 91 and 71. Um, they okay. were, they missed a wild card spot by five games. The Giants were eighty-eight and seventy-four. They were the second. So they were technically alive in mid-September. Technically, yes. I mean, yeah. I was. I was sure to insert that. 
the um the, I remember that for um the Cardinals lost um so DeRosa goes um goes to the Indians but then ends up on the Cardinals cuz he gets traded like at the trade deadline and oh the, that's right the Cardinals had played they played one of the great games ever in uh, in Dodger Stadium history it was a game where Matt Holiday got hit in the nuts with a fly ball. Oh, no. In the playoffs. Yes. It wasn't the nuts. It was like the tip. It was. <laughs> it was and DeRosa, I used to have way, a gif of this. Let's see if I can find it. DeRosa fielded a ball and threw it. So last week, Javi, on a ground ball to short, completely short. missed the grip and threw yep. it like three quarters of the way up the screen on the, behind first base. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it was a beauty. DeRosa did that in a playoff game. Except there was no screen. He just chucked it into the stands at Dodger uh, State. Too- Two bases. The, from the, the Cardinals got throw. swept by the Dodgers that year, which was fine by me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, well. 2009 to bring it round. This is what we do. 2009. Who was the World Series MVP for the Yankees? Uh, 2009. They beat the Phillies. Trying Phillies are trying to repeat. No nine. Joe Girardi's only World Series win for the Yankees, and their MVP was it? A, you can't tell me who. It was Alex Rodriguez. Oh, it does bring it full circle. Well, there you go. It's like the one it, good playoff series he had for them. Um, he was due. He was due. He was, he was getting a lot of shit from everybody. You know, it, it would it, it would have been nice if we could have Cubs eras where they could uh, certain players could cycle, be afforded the opportunity to cycle through that, right? It's like we're talking about the 2009 Cubs, some of our favorite Cubs of that era, like Aramis Ramirez. He's my favorite probably of this particular era. He has the worst numbers in the playoffs, but he only had six games. Heaven forbid they made the playoffs. Yeah, I'm sorry. He was on the 03 team, too, and hit a grand slam off of Dontrell. Although I don't think he had a great series then. But, you know, I mean, over time, if you get the play, and we've seen it with, with our guys in, in the recent run. But, of course, they all kind of established their moments early, but they still, you know, had a lot of opportunity. Be nice if we get, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's a chicken and egg thing. It's um, you don't get a lot of games to rack up stats, but also if you don't play well, your team yeah. doesn't get very many. If, if you, the big guys don't hit early in series, series don't last very long. And that's yeah. the, the 07, 08 Cubs know that. And so do the, yep, yep. um, from 2018 on Cubs where they yep, just yep. actually from the NLCS in 2017 on, they haven't hit in a playoff series. Correct. hundred percent miserable. And yeah, even they, and honestly, even the even that series against the they Dodgers, didn't really hit didn't, very well against no. the Nats. They, hit, they didn't they hit, hit very against well the Nats. The, well, they, they, won nine, they, they won that crazy game nine to eight in game a lot five. Of plays. Yeah, 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 I mean yeah. they had to have a catcher's interference and an error, and there's all kinds. Yeah, of crazy they shit. they str- they struggled. You're right. They didn't exactly just knock the ball around. Like they, like they, they never hit like they did in 2015. Actually, that was their best at least that series against the Cardinals. So I guess I can't complain, but even in 2016, they went cold for a few spells and then had just yeah, enough time I, left. Honestly, If you want, if you want to get really honest about it, this, this, this incarnation of the Cubs, the, the best Cubs teams we've ever seen, they really only hit in the playoffs. They, they scored four runs in the wildcard game against the pirates. They really hit well yes. against the Cardinals in the, the whole series DS. outside of game one. Didn't yep. hit at all against the Mets. Against Not the Mets. Fucking right. Thing. right. Um, they, a little hot and cold against the Giants. Yes. Let's be honest. A they went, they went the completely to sleep against the Dodgers until. Um, and same with the Indians. Until Zobra uh, hit that double. Yeah, yeah. And he, then, well, he got a button. No, he got a bunt hit. Bunt hit. That's right. Zobras and then, yeah. Um, 
Rizzo but you're used, right. Rizzo used Caesar's bat, and uh, Russell right. wore his underwear. And, and the same hitting. thing, in the, and the same thing. In the World Series and Brian hit the homer off a of Bauer that sort of lightened the load, right. and even then they had to sweat it out, and they didn't exactly. So you're right. Like it, there They're, weren't that many games in which they just clubbed their. But the Cardinal series it makes that Cardinal series glorious because they, they just they just took three straight games by clubbing the hell out of them. Yeah. But that's pretty much kind of it, really. And for a while, I was like, well, hey, baseball's hard. A lot of teams are like that. But now it's it it may be a little bit unique to the Cubs, I think, in that instance because teams don't go that cold. Yeah, baseball's hard. You go through stretches, but uh, you're right. Since the since the even that Washington series was suspect, um, you know. Now, part of it, obviously, in the Washington series is if you're going to get Strasburg and Scherzer, not going to hit very well. I guess the, the Mets True. that year, that was the only healthy year they got out of, like, Harvey and yep. Syndergaard and yep. those the guys. Yeah, the pitch, yeah. So when you get to the playoffs, you're going to face great pitching. That's just how it works. Yeah, 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 but that's true. the good teams are going to hit it, at least enough to win, and the Cubs it, haven't done that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And the 2009 Cubs didn't get that chance, unfortunately. No, it's too bad because when you look at that juggernaut lineup they could have put out there. I mean, think about going to the playoffs. Think about the other team. Like, holy shit, how are we going to stop Sam Fold, Mike right. Fontenot, Micah Hoffpower? Just that Jake lineup. Fo- Jake, how do you pitch to Jake Fox? You, The only way to pitch to Jake Fox, you throw four outside and you try to pick him off first base. That's the only way you can get Jake right. Fox out. no doubt. But you pulled the signature game from that season. And it's because it gives it was me nightmares. Like, no, but like it's it's a perfect representation of what you're saying because it was August. They were le- technically legitimately in it. They're right around first base, and they field this lineup that. Had, and I know Ramirez was hurt, but like, he's Fontenot and Fold and Jake. F- I mean, you just mentioned the names, so I mean that just screams Paper Tiger. I mean, you know, it's uh, yeah, they were in it, but were they really in it? And clearly, all yeah. it took was the Cardinals put together a decent stretch in the end yeah. of August, and the, it was over. Yeah, well, farewell, 2009 Cubs. All right, well, we'll spin the wheel again next time, and maybe we'll finally hit the 80s. I know, I think I think we'll have a bland. I don't even care if it's 1986, which is a miserable season. I'll just be so happy to just talk about some of these clowns from my youth because, uh, you know, we've spent three-plus decades cultivating over our minds, so. We'll see. Well, oh. We don't control it, though. We, we're we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to get to them all the, eventually. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wherever the wheel goes. Our luck. The last. About. The last like six will be 1981, 1982, 1983. It's like oh, we we won't even be able to avoid right. them because right. we won't but, have enough left. But our self-imposed rule mitigates against that. A little, at least I know that next week I'm not going to have to talk about the 2010 Cubs. So, but there is the 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 fear of 2011. So I may have to brush up. So I'm not so caught off guard. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll figure it out that next time. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Many of us have herpes. 